0: had a show last night how'd it go
1: I had a show last night and it went pretty well it was kind of a quiet audience but uh, I somehow managed to wrangle them all into doing a (laughs) sing-along I actually actually bullied them into it but I could tell they were pretty proud of themselves once at the end yeah and it's over yeah they applauded themselves quite uproariously (laughs) (laughs) it was good it was fun it was at the comedy nest did you get some laughs I did got some laughs I was a bit worried. They were super quiet in the beginning, so I was like,
0: "How is this gonna work? But it worked. I saw your post on Instagram. You have tons of shows coming up. That's awesome. I know I'm so busy. How are you getting your shows booked? Are you like actively aggressively pursuing people or are you starting to get people calling you like producers?
1: Ah uh, both some I'm just writing to people or calling them and saying, "Hey, how do I get on this show?" And they're like, "Oh hey, uh, well, there's one next Tuesday. You want to be there I'm no. not sure. And then other ones, like last night, someone came in the green room and asked me to come do another show in uh, March.
0: And dare I ask? Her name?
1: Please no. don't. I don't know what it is. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not that this is relevant in any way to your stand-up comedy career, but are any of these paid? Are you getting a bit of money? Or? Some of them are. Well, that's great. That's Not just... all of them. Not all of them. Well. But some of them are. The like Psychist Podcast. <laughs> It'd be years before we ever get paid, but it's for the love of podcasting. Okay, I didn't know that. Want to hear my story? Yeah, what's What's up? So short story, I will fall on the ice. If there's ice, I'm the one that falls. You see other people walking around, no, not me. Like, I, It's like, I don't know if it's my center of gravity is off. I cannot walk on the ice. So last few days in Montreal, super icy. We have this international student that's staying with us for a few years and her name's Talia, shout out to Natalia from Columbia. And she plays professional volleyball. And because her family's not here, she doesn't really have like a cheering section at these tournaments. So after like seven or eight tournaments, she's like, maybe you can come watch me sometime. <laughs> so I grabbed my youngest child, 13 years old, and we drove like 35 minutes to the college. So icy, like I didn't know where to park. It's like this huge college with all these multi entrances. I, I can't even walk 10 feet, I'm not exaggerating. So we go to the one of the entrances and I, it takes me like five minutes with my son holding me door locked. Back to the car, drive to another entrance. Same thing, the woman's like, oh, you just have to go down to this other entrance. So we can't find parking, probably because that's the main entrance to get in for the tournament. I have to park like 50 feet away. You know how in cities that have tons of snow, they clear the sidewalks and then sort of the grassy area in front of the school has like three or four feet of snow sitting there. I had to like crawl through the three feet of snow because, and my son the whole time is walking on the ice going, mommy, look ridiculous. You're covered in snow. And I'm like, I'm really glad you think this is funny, Elliot, but I will fall on the ice. Osteoporosis. I don't know. Could happen anytime. Can't afford to break a wrist. Anyway, the whole process is mortifying. It probably takes 30 minutes once we arrive at the college to actually get into the right entrance. She comes in. She's so happy to see us. And she says, we just started a 50-minute break, 5-0. But feel free to grab a snack from the vending machine. And I'm like, oh, my God, Natalia, Elliot has a tutor at 11. Like, we have to go. We don't have 50 minutes because of me and my ICE situation. So did you see her No, we didn't see her at all. So we're leaving and Elliot's, well, that's not too bad since she always loses. And I'm like, Elliot, enough. Like you're just a 13 year old shit. She's like seven, she's 18 years old. She gets up at six o'clock in the morning to fight the ice storm and come play a sport that she loves. Like that's not loser. You need to stop acting like that. He's like, okay, mom, I'll stop making fun of her. But just so we're clear, you're the only one that fights the ice. Everyone else embraces the ice and it's their friend. You're the only one that falls on the ice all the time. Does this kid walk anywhere? I'm getting to that. (laughs) Okay, so that's my Sunday story. Big, huge trip out to College Rosemont. Didn't get to see her play at all. Came home, was so exhausted. I had to have a nap to recover from the experience. So one thing about Elliot is he's a bit of a hypochondriac. Like he always says things like, mom, I think I can't go to school. I think I'm in respiratory failure. Like I'm like, Elliot, I can't call the school and tell them like you're going to miss first period because of respiratory failure. And I think A, you might be watching too much YouTube and B, get your ass to school. So yesterday's Monday morning. He's walking down this big icy hill to go to school. He leaves at like 825, 827. My phone rings. Mom, mom, I fell on the ice. And like consecutively within one second, I had three thoughts. First thought, oh my God, hypochondria, when is it ever gonna end? Second thought, oh my God, are you okay? You fell on the ice. Third thought, touche, son. I thought that uh, no one fell on the ice and everyone else just embraced it and ice was your friend. So he came home, I let him miss first period. He came in and to change his pants, he did rip his pants did fall quite badly on the ice. It is different when a 13-year-old falls than when a 48-year-old woman falls. Like, he falls and he's okay within five minutes. I fall, it takes about five weeks before I feel completely recovered. Yeah, I hear you. So he comes in and he's like, oh, mom, you know, suddenly like he's got this free hour. Like, he's on vacation. Mom, can I make a smoothie? You know, I'm just going to fool around on Instagram for a few minutes, maybe have some tea. And my first thought is like, No. You fell on the ice, like, that's fine, but I'm busy. Like, after you leave, the kitchen's my domain, and I don't need you farting around making a smoothie. At this super memory of when I was a kid, so when I went to kindergarten, which was a long time ago, there was morning kindergarten and afternoon kindergarten, and I had to go to afternoon kindergarten because my mom didn't like to wake up before nine. So I am going to kindergarten, I'm four years old. And one day I say to my mom, I don't really feel like going to kindergarten today. Could I stay home? And she's like, fine, but I have a new baby and he sleeps when you're at kindergarten and that's my time away from you. So if you want to stay home, I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to even know anything about you being in the house. She may or may not have said I couldn't go out. I can't remember. So I wanted to go to my friend's house. So I go, mom. And she's like, I told you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And I remember, I do remember thinking, Jesus lady, ch- try to hold it together. Like for what is wrong with you? So like, what's with the drama? <laughs> so I'm like, whatever. So I go to my friend's house. It's like half a block away. We're playing for a while. And I remember she had this front fence with a step down. And I was sort of playing this game where I would jump up on the step and jump down on the step. Now I pay a woman $60 an hour to make me jump up on a step twice a week. Back then it was like play. So I'm standing there talking to her and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to jump up on this step. So I jump up on this step, which was the sidewalk. All I see is police cars. There's police cars everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, jump back down. <laughs> and then I'm like, maybe I dreamt it. Jump back up, police cars. And I hear, there she is. <laughs> oh <my God>. okay. <laughs> so I'm like, jump back down. <laughs> police come running and my mom comes running oh my baby my baby I'm like whoa 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 lady my baby my baby (laughs) she's like why didn't you tell me where you were going I'm like I tried no no shush shush no you didn't I'm like oh my god anyway I super had that memory yesterday because I was like thinking the same thing with Elliot like you fell on the ice that's great change your pants I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. You're definitely not making a smoothie in my kitchen.
1: That's too funny. I think I,
0: well, anyway, I used to tell my kids pretty rotten
1: stuff. I used to say always when they come in and drop me, are you on fire? Are you bleeding?
0: Is anyone in danger? No? Then leave me alone. I was watching this Facebook video yesterday of uh, two 17-year-olds who, who were given four minutes to dial a phone number with a rotary phone. And I was like, oh, this is just going to be for show. Obviously, they're going to figure it out. It's not that hard. They didn't do it in four minutes. And they were busting a move. You're kidding. It was so funny. And I was like, they were so nice. They're nice kids, too. And they're trying to help each other out. And what about this? And what about this? And the parents are videoing them giggling. But one thing that struck me was they didn't know that you had to lift the handle. They didn't figure that out till the very end. Like the whole dial tone, lift the handle. Like we don't have that anymore. We don't have dial tones. But some, I don't remember who was saying it, but somebody was pointing out
1: how on our cell phones, the little icon for where you would touch your screen to call is still a rotary hand like set
0: yeah yeah yes
1: it and, is. and they were saying like how many young kids now who have cell phones don't even know what that, what that icon is, is. Yeah, yeah. like they associate it with like call but they don't even know why
0: why yeah i think that's funny about
1: that. oh, god we're entertaining we don't even have to talk about anything
0: <sighs> all right so now that we've caught up with each other shall we tell our our audience what this podcast is going to be about and why we're here Uh, yeah. All right. So welcome to On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy. And our informal tagline is, where dreams go to die. (laughs) And then in brackets, and maybe that's a good thing. I just came up with that this morning. Isn't that good? Yeah. And I'm going to talk for like two minutes and then I'm going to give Jen a chance to talk because I feel like I've monopolized the conversation thus far. I know you're going to find this hard to believe. Shocking, almost. (laughs) <laughs> i to keep interrupting you just so I get my time. But my life has not turned out exactly the way that I planned. I know. Horror show. I had all sorts of dreams from being like young girl into teenager. And as the years went by, I didn't get started. I didn't reach a lot of the goals. And each and every year, I would shame myself. And now the layers of shame are so thick. Not like every day, but. But there's a part of me where the shame cake is descending into low-grade self-hatred territory. And I'm coming up on 50. I'm 47. And I'd like to say this year, it's February, so you think I have a lot of time. (laughs) But realistically, the way things go, I'm going to say before 50. So I have like almost three years. But there's two things I want to do in this three-year period – is one, determine what dreams are still viable and feasible, and how can I get started, even if it's just super small steps, to accomplish those dreams on a much smaller scale. And B, two, what dreams can I can I let go of? And maybe that's because realistically the, the clock has run out, the, the, t- the window has closed on that, or maybe those dreams were never that realistic, like I wanted them for all the wrong reasons. And so that's why I'm here. Over to you. Um, I'm in
1: such a same place. As I'm I, I'm on the same page as you, what? Nancy. On the same page?
0: I am on the
1: same page as you. I don't think I'm in this as accepting of a place as you are. I know you haven't fully accepted it, but I think maybe you're a little more evolved in this area than I am because I'm still really clinging desperately to some of my dreams. But I know that, like, the sad thing is I'm too lazy to actually do them. Like there's some of them I don't even want anymore because the idea of being up that late. Yeah, the idea of having to go and do shows like night after like being, I don't know, the other night backstage these guys were like, "Hey, we should go hit this other open mic night." And I was like, "Cool." And then the other and I was thinking I should go do that too. I'll go with them and like do two shows in one so night. Was it after 10? <laughs> he was at 11:30. Oh that was like, uh, good night." No. Um Yeah. And I just think about stuff, like even uh, being a musician, I had huge dreams of touring the world and stuff like that. I'm not saying I am a musician. I'm saying like my musical dreams, but yeah, no, the idea of being on tour and having to do show night after, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But I'm still sad. I'm
0: still really sad to not be doing that. So I was listening to this podcast the other day and there's this book coming out in May called the happiness curve, I think. And I will link to it in the show notes just because I feel bad because I can't remember the author's name, but it was, it was so great. So he was talking about how, and I, I identified with this when you're young, like in your twenties and thirties, you tend to think that everybody over 50 is so old and they're just close to death and waiting to die. And so as I approach 50, I feel like, well, maybe that's not quite true. But there's still this part of me that at 50, it's over. So you miss the boat. And that's where all this regret comes in. But he was saying studies have shown that it's the exact opposite. That when we're young, we have a harder time handling conflicting emotions. We're social climbing. We're trying to build our careers. And it's a really difficult, immature, conflicting time for us. Whereas after 50, we're more community-based. We can handle harsher emotions. We can think think things through. Basically, we're just all around more balanced and life gets a lot better. But the point of the book is that it doesn't happen overnight. So in general, between age, like somewhere in average, between 45 and 50, you go through this massive transition where your values are changing. And if you don't talk about it, which is part of the reason I wanted to have this podcast, if you don't talk about it, then you look at your life and you're like, I have this low-grade dissatisfaction, this sort of daily, you know, low-grade dissatisfaction. But why? I Everything's fine. I have a spouse. I have a roof over my head. Like, I have opportunities. My kids are healthy. What's wrong with me? I must be totally ungrateful. And then that can sort of spiral into actual depression. And so the point which really hit home with me was it's totally normal to feel this low-grade dissatisfaction as you're going into this transition where the next part of your life is, is much happier. Like the idea that 50s the new 30, super grateful for that. And that during this time of transition, you should be nice to yourself and recognize that it's, it's normal, it's healthy. You would be, it would be unnatural if you weren't having some sort of transition through middle age and to not make any big decisions like leave your spouse, quit your job and move to India, start a podcast. <laughs> So anyway, I just wanted to share that because it really resonated with me because I feel like that's exactly what's happening with this process of letting go. You know, I, if, if it's not going to happen, why do I have to carry it like baggage all around me? This regret that I was, you know, never a TV star like Oprah and I I don't get recognized on the street. So what? Hardly anybody gets, just you. You're the only person I know that gets recognized on the street. Okay, it's rare. But just to let it go, and I don't think I'm more advanced than you. I gave myself three years to get. That was the point of the conversation. Before 50, I want to become more accepting of letting go of that, those dreams.
1: My mom, a long time ago, gave me, not, not advice, but like... It could be a meme now, but they didn't <laughs> exist then. Uh, I was feeling really dark and sort of stagnating in my creative life, and she, and it was scaring me. It was I was telling her like I'm in a really dark place, and it's making me uncomfortable. Like I don't think this is healthy, and um, I don't think it would have been if it got went any further. I've been in very dark places in my life that was not okay, but at this particular point, she's pretty intuitive, so she she just pointed out. Maybe it sounds cheesy, but she said, like, the buds that grow into the most magnificent of trees start germinating in the dark, in a dark. Cold, solid, solitude, t- <laughs> and it's very sad, crying alone sense. in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not mold, Nancy. Magnificent <laughs> <laughs> trees, and I—I I don't know. I just yeah. hung on to that image in my in my mind. So sometimes when that starts to happen again, I kind of comfort myself with that thought of maybe I'm maybe something's germinating, maybe something really cool is coming, but I'm in this transitionary place where things have to get very quiet and. I have to be reflective, and it's not, it's not comfortable, and I have a lot, a lot of voices in my head. I don't really like it when I'm left alone
0: with them. I love alone time <laughs> physically, but not alone with my thoughts time. Mine is just massive procrastination. Like some of the things, like writing a book, it could have started a hundred times over, and I just find something else. Sometimes it's a whole new career. Sometimes it's having another kid. I will like do anything, sorry, love you, second kid. <laughs> no regrets. it seems I will do almost anything to put myself out there in the world, like to but here I am talking on a microphone, step one, what do you mean you you'll do anything,
1: oh anything to like avoid it, yeah, doing what you have to do. Um, first of all, I just on this theme of crushed dreams and I love that you're being so forgiving, but I'm not over the fact that you're not a TV star. I had really high hopes that you were going to be Oprah, but you know, that's cool. It's your, it's your path. Uh, (laughs) I think too, like it's, if I could like, you know, um, I think if I was giving other people advice, I I would be able to take everything we're saying and word it really eloquently and beautifully and inspire masses. But because I get it in theory, I'm just still in that as you are. Like I'm still in that place of learning how to take what I understand in theory. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not talking about little things. I'm not talking about like, you know, my first crushed dream of being a professional uh, Olympic skateboarder, which your, <laughs> your dad crushed early in my life by telling God's me. God's a bit of a dream crusher. <laughs> yeah. He was. I, mean. okay. <laughs> uh, I think he gave me, though. I think when he apologized like a year later or something and told me, he admitted he was wrong. I think he gave me, I wish I still had it, Member books, member encyclopedias before yes. Google? Uh, he gave me like a sports encyclopedia issue. <laughs> that had skateboarding in it with these, like, cool pictures, like, 70s-style skateboarders, uh, you know, from the olden days. Uh, and he gave that to me, and he said, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Huh. Good for you, Dad. Awesome. I know. Anyways, what I was going to say is not those dreams, which, you know, whatever. You have these sparks in life where you're like, I know, I want to be a professional clown, but... Uh, <laughs> The ones that you, you know, there's something that I've been fanning, like fires I've been fanning my entire life and like really focused on my entire life. And some of those things, uh, died and are just not going to happen. It's just not realistic. And like I said earlier, maybe I'm not even as attached to that dream as I am to like the feelings that it might've brought me. yeah. Yeah, sure. And I think, well, I've talked to you about this before. Like if somebody has a big dream of, I don't know, opening a restaurant And, and maybe some people who want to open a restaurant are just so passionate about, about food or about the hospitality industry. Sure. But then some people just really are like want a strong sense of community and love the idea of people being around gathering all the time together. So maybe they don't need to own a restaurant and like bankrupt themselves (laughs) and and go through the stress. That's an enormously stressful thing to do. Maybe there's other ways they can find that sense of community in their life. And then, you know, and then there's other dreams that, like, maybe they're not dead. Maybe they're just evolving into just something, something else. Like something else. Yeah. yeah. And actually, something funny the other day, uh, I was feeling – I've been thinking a lot about this theme because we've talked about doing this podcast. And so I was trying to think about comedy. Like, when I was little, I was really sure I was going to grow up and be Judy Garland. Like, not even, like, the next, but, like, just literally her. So when I found out she died, it was really confusing for me because I was devastated – but at the same time, super excited because I was like, "Oh, I can be her now." She's not here. Um, that's not true. She. I wept for days. But um, I. So recently, I was like, "Why am I doing comedy? Why am I so into this? Like, how, all these other Staying comics." Up but,
0: past nine every night. I am. What is it? You're volu-
1: driving. <laughs> Voluntarily and everything, and I keep hearing these other comics saying, "Like, I was the class clown. I always wanted to. I knew. I whatever." But when I was little, aside from sneak watching Saturday Night Live on the staircase, when my parents thought I was in bed, like just watching them watch it, yeah. I never was like, oh, I'm going to be a comic when I grow up. But something for, and so I felt sorry for myself because I was like, where's my story about when I was little? Because that's going to be my evidence that, that I'm doing the right thing, right? Is that I always wanted to do it. Right. But thank God my mom sent me the evidence the other day. She sent me a Valentine card. I was like, oh, cute. Just like my mom used to make me these when I was little. I make them for my kids. I opened it. it, came in the mail, and, and she hand-glued bits of fabric and cuteness all over this card, and I read it, and it was weird, because I was like, this looks like my handwriting, <laughs> and, and, but it was hers, but it's just like, I realized it was from it's a long so, time ago.
0: 30-year-old like glitter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is dusty. The date was 1980, and I realized she'd found this card that she made me when I was 10 years old, and sent it to me now on Valentine's Day, and it said, Happy Valentine's Day, Griswold, I love you so much, Mom. And I was like, oh, I forgot. My mom used to call me Griswold. That's so weird. So I called her and told her how moved I was and excited I was to get the card. But like, why did you used to call me Griswold? And she said, oh, well, that was the the middle name you chose for yourself when you were little. You'd seen National Lampoon's vacation. <laughs> yeah, so she said, I named myself Griswold after the family. Like, it's the last <laughs> name of the family in National. Lampoon. family. Yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I
0: was like, yes, okay, good. There's my proof. It's legit. So there you go. No, and thanks for saying that because I I feel like if I look back on why I wanted to be on on TV, I think I just wanted to have influence and I wanted to have, like, for me, that meant that I would have, like, a community, like a tribe of people. And if I look at my life now, it's on a much smaller scale than, say, Oprah. But I have, like, a, a, an incredible community and a tribe of friends And I do feel like I have some influence in that people call me for advice on all sorts of subjects. And I do feel like a a trusted source and that I, you know, I keep confidences and people trust me. And so in a way, I sort of have accomplished having community and being influential in my life. And so maybe I could spend a moment, if not a week, having gratitude for that. Well, the thing is, I'm going to interrupt you. I
1: agree and also think that you're under-selling yourself a bit or under-acknowledging the amount of influence you do have because you are not a famous published writer yet, but you are an amazing writer. Um, but you do, not just on a personal level, have people coming to you all the time, but in your career as a financial analyst, advisor. advisor yes. Analyst advisor, (laughs) as a financial um, advisor, also in your web development, like you have people professionally coming to you all the time. And then on top of it, yeah, you have a huge network of uh, friends who I am assuming uh, can't be the only one who texts you. It's
0: just you. It's just just you. I wait for maybe she'll text today and I'll be able to offer her some trusted source advice
1: you don't you never you don't you are a horrible
0: friend you always (laughs) (laughs) you take my girlfriend's side every time I bitch about her so I feel like on a normal podcast the people would introduce themselves and then say what the podcast was about and then maybe tell a story or two and I feel like we did that all backwards we told some stories then we said what the podcast was going to be about and nobody knows who we are I don't even know if we've used our names up until this point. I'm Jen. And I'm Nancy. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jen before we wrap up and tell you what you can expect each and every week for the next 10 to 12 weeks, which will be season one of this podcast on the same page with Jen and Nancy. So I've known Jen since I was about 14 or 15 years old. And by day, Jen works for nonprofits here in Montreal. We both live in Montreal. And by night, and probably some parts of the day, Jen is an incredible performer. And I think she's underselling herself as being a triple threat because she's an incredible songwriter. she I've seen her perform on stage many times. I've even stayed up past eight o'clock to see it. She's a super well-known burlesque dancer. Her stage name is Damiana Dolce. Look her up, you won't regret it. She's a writer and as of the last, what, year? She is booking herself regularly, getting booked as a stand-up comedian. And I don't know if there's anything in my life that's scarier than stand-up comedy.
1: Well, what's scarier to me is anything that has to do with money. So that's why you're my idol. Wow. I feel like I told people already, now, But Nancy Murdoch, my friend of many years, is a web developer, a fabulous writer, although... You haven't read her yet, but you will soon, right, Nancy? She's also a chartered financial analyst and she has a website called themoneycoach.com and you should go check it out because it's full of tons of useful information. I will say that I did pursue a career in finance to
0: avoid writing.
1: Okay, fair, but you were still, you know what I think the problem is, you know what I think your problem
0: is? <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to tell me. My husband tells me every day, but I'm like, someone else needs to say it. I think the problem is you're so good at the those
1: things. You're so good at the things that you use to avoid... So it happens. Like I've tried things. I was like, I'm gonna sell cloth diapers. Or <laughs> something. I get so bored. I'm not good at it. Anyway, I just think that you're you should find distractions that you're not good at because they'll fizzle <laughs> out faster. That's what I do.
0: All right. So that is a little bit about us. As the podcast progresses, you will learn even more about us every week. We are gonna talk
1: about not just where our dreams have gone to die, which ones we're still trying desperately to keep alive and and pump some life into, but also like some of the tools that are out there that people rant and rave and yeah, that different people are using to keep theirs moving or to reach a level of acceptance or learn how to prioritize or really identify what it is that they are looking for in their lives. And we would Love to hear from all of you because I know there's a bunch of you out there who are going through some of the same stuff. Um, You can find me
0: at Jennifer June Chapman on Instagram at theladieslounge.com where you will find hundreds of hilarious posts that Jen has written over the last decade. Ladieslounge, L-A-D-Y-S, lounge.com. Check it out for sure. Uh, And by hilarious... Is that what you said? (laughs) What Nancy
1: means by hilarious is like more insight in how messed up my head is. But that's besides the point. And you can follow us on Instagram as well. So there you go. Um, We
0: don't have an Instagram account. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be our blooper. We don't have an Instagram account. We just lied to them. We just lied to all of them at the same time. And just so you know what our intention with this podcast is, we want to have a season one of On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy. And in this theme of what we've been talking about, where dreams go to die, and maybe that's okay, there can be some negative issues that come up with the process. You know, the two I'm thinking of primarily would be like anxiety or depression. And what kind of tools can we use through the process? And just a few things that we brainstormed that we want to talk about over the next 10 to 12 weeks. We're like mindfulness, self-compassion, gratitude, exercise. And some of these tools we've had experience with and we want to share our stories. And some of them we haven't had experience with. Like I think both of us have had meditation on our to-do list for seven years. And I can't remember the last time I actually meditated. And so that's the loose structure that we're planning is taking some, some negative things that might be happening with us. Like for me, uh, my weight is an issue, so how can I take a look at my weight and sort of let go of being a size six one day and accept that and also take steps to maybe be okay with going from you know a size fourteen to a size size twelve and focus more on being healthy and feeling strong? Okay, Jen, so now that I shared that I have some issues with my weight, could you please share something vulnerable <laughs> Jen's over there sucking on a line which is her breakfast I need you to share something vulnerable I well is there anything I've been
1: struggling with my weight my whole life but honestly this the, what I what I really have been most um, tr- trying <laughs> what I've been chanting <laughs> mantras at myself about daily I have crippling anxiety I have like severe panic I'm not even sure I knew that yeah I have like Serious hardcore anxiety. It's super fun, and I have a bit of a little bit of OCD. A little bit of. Have you tried
0: meditating? I'm going to as an experiment, so we can talk to everyone about it. When I said that I was struggling with my weight, you should have said, "Have you tried eating less and moving more?" I should have. You yeah, missed that. Because have you? you were- <laughs> Thanks, tips. <tubs>. Thanks, tips. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap this up. Thanks so much for joining us on this first episode. Thanks so much, guys. I'm not finished, Jen. Sorry. Thank you so much for joining us on this first episode. We hope to see you in the coming weeks. If you have any feedback at all, reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram. All of our contact information will be in the website show notes. Take care. See you next time. Bye, guys. I just want to be on the same So, I just wanna... On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy is recorded in Montreal, Quebec. The podcast is written, hosted, produced, and edited by Jen Chapman and Nancy Murdoch. Original music by Jen Chapman. Original podcast cover art by Meredith Lindsay of Media Mercantile. A huge thank you to all of our supporters. We did it. I feel much better about that one.
1: Sorry, I'm so preoccupied trying to make us an Instagram.